Welcome to Express Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are a ministry of Arizona Message Ministry, the message to the number two dot US. We are supported financially by HaribouBooks.com. Make sure you go on there, buy some of the books that are there, donate them to your school, donate them to your church, donate them to your library so we can get the message of hope and the message of encouragement out. Enjoy the podcast. Brotherly love. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Actually, a couple brothers talking about brotherly love. Stephen Zachary here today with my brother, Dr. Dennis Zachary. We tried to have our whole family in, but apparently my sister and my brother couldn't come on the Zoom call. So we're going to talk together about the sermon today. And I'm going to start. Doc, what did you think? What was what was the did you take away with the key to the uh, what is the key? The key. Uh, there's a there's there's a lot here. OK, there's a lot here. The key. The really thing that um, that I got out of the key was um, was that uh, the fear of the Lord is the key. And as you talked about the fear of the Lord and, and what that meant, um, I thought about uh, what it means to fear. Uh, and really what it means to fear, it means to submit. So when you're afraid of somebody, you submit to them. You submit to their will, submit to their desires, you submit. Even if I, like if I'm standing in front of a car and I'm afraid the car is going to run me over, I submit to the direction the car is going and move out of the way. So it is, uh, it is, um, fear of the Lord is submission. Uh, and I, and, and, um, because people get kind of worried about it. I loved your four steps though, to the fear of the Lord, um, you know, uh, keep from an evil tongue and evil lips and then from speaking lies and turning from evil and doing good. And then the big one was um, peace, the peace and pursue it. And then that kind of carried us into the um, into the uh, um, into the brotherly love, uh, which is something that we really uh, need to do uh, is to love one's brother. And I like the way you started that as. First off, with your family uh, and love for your family and then going out and loving your neighbor. And the important thing is when when they are when, when something's going good for somebody else, oftentimes we kind of criticize and we kind of downplay it. And instead of looking at something good going for somebody else, as you were saying, when something's going good for somebody else, that should be good for me, too. It should be good for all of us because God's blessed that person. We shouldn't be upset that God blessed somebody. God poured a blessing down, but people get upset and, and and about about God blessing somebody. And then when something goes bad for somebody, it should be bad for us too. That's it. The, so the word, I thought I really like I took those were the real, real deep messages. The, the interesting thing that I when I was going through it, and you know what is the key in going through the the again we're trying to get to the eighth church, and the seventh church, Jesus said. I opened the door. I opened the door. And it's like, you don't need the key anymore. So you have, you get the key and you have the key. And that is having fear of the Lord. But once you get there, then the door is open. And it's really good that 
the door is opened at that point, you, then you, then I was like, okay, well, that must be the end of it. The door is open. I have fear of the Lord. I can just kick back. And I'm looking at Christians. They say, well, uh, you can't be saved by works. You can only be saved by faith. And once you're saved by faith, you can't lose that 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 salvation. So at that point, a lot of Christians feel that they can just kick back and do whatever they want to do. When in reality, uh, the step goes further, that door is open, and but you then you're still given that same key to open the door for somebody else. So when you how how are you going to go about opening the door for somebody else? Well, uh, first off, you open the door for somebody else and show them the key by what you do. So, so it, when you're when you're a Christian and you're uh, a person of faith, people are watching you. You know, don't think they're not. Uh, and um, if you got joy and you got peace and all those things, and people are kind of wondering, how can I get that? How can I get, how do you get that? How do you find peace in all the stuff you're doing? Even when things are going bad, the person's still at peace. You go, how Job sort of approach to life? Uh, uh, for those, you know, for the, hold on, peace? real quick. So you threw a name in there. There might be people that are listening that don't know what the Job way of life is. So go jump on that and then go back to where you were. Well, Job uh, had everything. He had money. He had prestige. He had children. He had family. He had everything. He was he was, he had all that you would want. And um, the devil challenged God by saying, "If I take everything away from Job that you've given him, he will curse you." And God said, "You can take away everything you have. Just don't touch him. Just don't take his life. You can do everything. You can even make him sick. You can do whatever you want." Just don't take his life. And so the devil, all his children died. He lost all his. He lost all his money. He lost everything, including his friends. And then he struck him with disease on top of it. And uh, his wife said, "You should just curse God and die." And he said, "He said, woman. He said, no. He said, uh, what the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Bless be." The name of the Lord, and through all that, Job never cursed God. And remember, that was one of the keys. One one of the keys was that you uh, that Jesus was talking to the city at Philadelphia. When we kind of jumping a little ahead, talking to the, the city of Philadelphia, and it said, "You have little strength, but you kept my name." And I think that that's that that is what you call what the Job effect. Yeah. Although you had little strength, you kept my name. And that is an interesting thing is, is sometimes it's hard to stay focused on the Lord when things are going so bad. And and even worse, when people are looking at you like, if God, if God loved you and God did this, why would God do this to you? And it's very difficult to try to stay focused in on God and try to explain, no, I'm not going to leave this place, even though bad things are happened to me. And I think that that is a little bit of, of the rub that goes on because with our faith, we know things are going to happen and we know that the Job effect is going to happen. We know think the worst things that can happen to people. And I look at, you know, you and I speaking, since we're here, brotherly love, there's one brother that, of ours that will never be able to participate on one of these calls. 
And people looking at, well, how can you keep your faith when things like, like that are going on? So, I mean, I, I, and, and, you know, as a doctor, I get that question uh, often because they know, you know, obviously I, I don't hide my, my faith when I'm with patients one-on-one. And so, um, uh, and I'm sure you've been in the same situation as that when you, when you have to face people who have had some bad things happen to them, uh, and how, how they can still keep their faith. And what I have noticed, um, uh, through my experience that the people who have super deep rooted faith, when, when those things start happening to them, uh, They'll even come up and say, the reason why it's happening to me is because God knew I could handle it. Right. And, you know, I, and they, they, they embrace their position that happened to them. Yeah, and I look, at, I look at it, too, by saying that and seeing, you know, when people ask me that, it's like, just wait. You know, this is supposed to be happening because if, if everything good always happens to you, then you're never going to have a testimony. And I try to remind people that the word testimony starts with a test. So you'll never, and and if there's no testimony, then how are you going to give somebody else the key to the kingdom? If everything's just smooth for you all the time, people look at it and like, this is, it's real smooth. And you say, just follow me and and your life's going to be smooth. Well, that's not going to, that's not true. And the other thing is, is most people don't see the struggles that people personally are going through. Also, unless you're in a struggle, sometimes you can't recognize God as the deliverer from the struggle. Right. And you definitely... I mean, the Israelites had to suffer a lot. And then when God came and delivered them, they knew where the deliverance was coming from. Yep. But then the flip side is once they got that deliverance, once they got the key to freedom, then they started focusing in on themselves again. Instead of staying focused on God and God's word, talking about how God delivered us. And also, they then jumped, instead of having fear of the Lord, they started having fear of humanity. And you look at that, and and you're talking about the Israelites, and we look at it, it follows the same pattern. Once you get delivered, it then becomes the job of being able to keep going on. And that's what Jesus was talking to the to the church at Philadelphia. He opened the door and obviously that everybody during that time was under Roman rule. Everybody during that time was being battled and had items taken and struggles. And in the city of Philadelphia in that part of Turkey they had multiple earthquakes. And the people were suffering from earthquakes and poverty and losing items and their houses were crumbling. And during this whole period of time, the church in Philadelphia kept focused on what they needed to be focused on. And what they wanted to be focused on is spreading God's word through understanding and believing in Jesus Christ. And then from there, going on and... um, using what they believed in sharing it with brotherly love. And I think that all that are steps that we can learn from and things that we can do to model the, and as our eighth church, model 
with the church at Philadelphia did. And how, how does your model of that look? So I, I think in my, the, the model is really looks into your family. And, you know, um, I, I cruise through books of the Bible. And right now I'm on just, just touch judges. And, and um, what really to connect to what we're talking about right now is that um, the first part of Judges talks about how uh, after Joseph and his generation died off, the next generation didn't know God. How could the next generation not know God? Did you forget to teach them? Did you forget to pass the key on to the next generation? And then they ended up doing evil in the sight of God. So I think, it, you know, the first thing you got to do, like you were saying, is you got to show brotherly love in your family. You got to pass the key on to your family. Uh, and then, of course, uh, who is your family? Uh, and you, you touched on that also. It's the people who are in your church. They're your family, too. They're your brothers. You know, the people who you're around. You know, like about the military. They always talk about the brothers in the military. They're the people you're around. You know, if you got kids in sports, who's your brothers? That, you know, there's one of my favorite movies is the I Remember the Titans. Who's your brothers? Who's your brothers now? You know, it's, your, it's the guys who you're next to when you're playing. So that's part of your family, your collect, collective family, or, or as some people put it, um, your, your network, your network. And that is your family. And, and with them, uh, you know, you have to show brotherly love uh, to them. And the important thing about that is if you want to show somebody love, you got to pass the key. That's it, pass the key. But I think one of the things that happen with the next generation is they don't, they haven't personally witnessed the struggle. And you can hear about the struggle. Like we heard about the struggles that, that our father went through, our grandfather went through, our great-grandfather went through. And even struggles that we we went through, but as as each person goes through the struggle and each person does better, and you always want to give your child more than you had, and you always want to have a better life for your child, but then they get that life, and it's like, man, my life is smooth, and you, they forget that two or three or four or five generations before that, there was a great struggle that would never have been overcome if it wasn't for the glory of God. And I think that, that that's where I see a lot of young people who veer off the second and third generation is they don't they didn't they don't physically understand the struggles. And then what happens is their entire family starts to veer away from God little by little, and then by the second or third generation, then you have that group not even having any trust, any faith, any fear, any awe, any reverence of God. And I see all that happening, and it's, and that's where I think the church is, has to do is say, you come back to God because you will have peace at all times. So I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure out how we go about creating a formula to passing on God's word other than to make sure that we read it. And, and one of the things that I was thinking about is the other thing that parents, um, and I'm, I'm in there, you don't want to tell your children about the stories that you have and the things that you did. 
because you want your children to look at you in a different light than some of your life circumstances should dictate. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Um, and we all fall a little bit into that. Uh, but some of that is um, living in the present to not the past. Uh, and you, you don't want to spend too much time in the past. You know, and so if you're so... I'm real guilty of that. If you're so focused on the present, sometimes you don't pass on the past. Right. And I'm, and I, my situation was there was so much in there that I don't want to live it again. You know, why do you want to go live things that were so troubling to the point where now, you know, as, as Martin Luther King, I've seen the mountaintop. I've been to the mountaintop. If you're at the mountaintop, why do you want to, to share your valley experiences. But I think if we don't share our valley experiences, two things happen. One, people don't want to look at you and say, hey, he's just like me. But they look at you like, wow, this, I can't be like him. I can't even talk to him. But they don't understand that you were in the valley. And the other thing is, is that when you're on the mountaintop, you want to look at go- going higher. You want to look at everything that the mountaintop has instead of bringing somebody else out of the valley. Plus, who wants to go back down to the valley? I definitely don't want to go back to the life that I had when I was in the valley. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, most of us, most of us don't. And in some ways, God doesn't want us either because he brought us out of the valley. He doesn't want us to personally go back to the valley, but he does want us to reach back and pull people out of the valley. So just because just because I'm on top of the mountain doesn't mean I don't have a rope. Doesn't mean I can't doesn't mean I can't uh, get some transportation, you know, to get them up here on top of the mountain. Doesn't mean I can't make sure the road is smooth as it can be as they're trying to make their way up the mountain. Um, there's a lot of things you can do on the top of the mountain without going down in the valley. But to sit on top of the mountain and just look down, and you didn't do anything, you know. So Hey, just come on up on the mountain. If you didn't give them bread to eat, they still hungry. That's it. If they're tired, if they're tired, you don't give them anything to drink. You know, hey, here's some water to help your thirst. I can't come back down in the valley and get you. But I can tell you that I was down there. But a lot of people don't believe it. It's like, yeah, whatever. To, to really say it. And that's what I like about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul talked about when he was down in the valley talking about how I chased after the Christians and how I tried to murder them and how I tried to do all these things. And then in the midst of that, the least person who should have received God's blessing, it was poured out on me. And I think that if most people examine their life, they will have to come to the same agreement that Paul had. I was down, way down, And when it shouldn't have happened, God stepped in and said, I'm going to bless you anyway. Slow to anger, abounding in love and kindness. That that definitely was how how he dealt with me. And it's really sad that from my standpoint, and maybe I needed to live through it in order to be where I am today, but it's sad that it took that long. And I remember... Uh, hearing this statement 
sorry you're late, but glad you're here. You know, and that and that's <laughs> that's where we want to be. Sorry you're late, but glad you're here. But we want everybody to come to the party, to come to that joy. And what I try to do is when I open my house up, I want everybody when they walk in to feel godless love. When I go into a jail, I want people to say there's something different. When people walk into my law office, I want them to say there's something different about this law office. And the pastors for years used to come to my office every year at the anniversary of starting our firm, and they used to pray. And one of the things that they prayed about is that when people walk in, they immediately don't know what what or why, but they know something is different when they walk into the place. And I think that that should be the goal of each of us in our workplace, People, even in your, in your small, I'm going to call it cubicle if they ever go back to cubicles. <laughs> right now, we don't even have cubicles. But when you go back to the cubicle, people walk into it and say, there's, diff- there's something different about this person. That's what, what we should be. We should strive to be what they call different by design. And the design of God is to be different. Paul in 2 Corinthians, what does light have to do with darkness? What, is, what does that have in common? What does have in common following Jesus and following uh, the devil? What does it have in common worshiping God or worshiping idols? We People should see us and say they're different and want to know why we're different. That's what I always like. I want people to ask me, why are you, why are you different? Why you you're never bet down. I had that when I walked in the courthouse. They have court security, and I remember one of the court security people say, "Every time you walk in, you're always upbeat." And actually, and but and she said, "But today, something's wrong because you're not happy." And I was like, "My back is killing me." <laughs> you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it happens where your back, all those miles of of running track and playing basketball and football, it just got to me that one day. And and then I, and it just hit me again that the Lord wants us to show joy all the time. And so I want to make sure that I'm different. And I told, I, I thanked her and I said, the reason why I come in every day in joy is because somebody might come to a sermon that I have. And if I don't, come across, and if I don't have what I call Jesus joy, how can I expect somebody to listen to my message, and and you should have Jesus joy, and then they're saying, wait, how can, (laughs) this guy's telling me to have Jesus Jesus joy, and he's the most nasty, evil person that I know, and that's why I think that that's what's turning off so many people to God, uh, is the fact that we don't share that Jesus joy, and and we and then we want to criticize. That was the other thing that that came out of to me for the message today, is we want to criticize people because we're better than them. And then people look at the person's like, "You're not better than me," and you're criticizing me in the name of Jesus. Is this the Jesus that that I'm supposed to want to follow? I'm not following that Jesus. Right. Yeah. You have to show by your example. Um, and that, that's the best, that's the best way to witness. That's the best way to get the key out is by your example. And then from time to time, you can throw seeds to, 
throw some throw seeds out there uh, or water a seed that somebody else has already planted. Uh, but understand that God gives the increase and you just leave it there. And then as as you do, as, as you as you go through your life, everybody, they should just look on you and say, you know, I know I know he's a man of God, you know, and there should be no question about it when somebody within minutes of them meeting you should know that you are a person of God. You're a, uh, a child of God. You have uh, uh, unbelievable joy. Uh, and, and then they should be wondering where, where it came from. Why do you have it? Why are you so, why are you at peace with everything? Why, why is everything, and why do you feel good about everything? Then the other thing sometimes uh, somebody will ask, well, you've been blessed. You go, yes, I have been blessed. I have been blessed. And it all comes from, all comes from the Lord. And I thank the Lord for my blessings. Uh, and then, you know, they say, well, what have you done with you to, to get the blessings? And I go, blessings come just because they do. You might have blessings you don't even know about them because you, you, you're not paying attention to all the blessings you're getting. But they do. But everybody has their struggles, you know. It says all things work out for good. And I talk to patients about this all the time. All things work out for good for those who love the Lord uh, and are called according to his purpose. But I always mention to them, all things work out for the good, not necessarily for your good. And so you have to understand that we are, God's big and God's eyes are big. And sometimes, uh, even though you might not personally recognize the good that's happening, but you just have to trust that good's happening, and God is God's a big God, and 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 all the little things that might be happening, or little things that you might be doing, uh, because of, of some of your hardships that you've been going through, uh, because you stayed faithful, uh, even though those hardships are still there, there's good that's happening. You might not see it, but there's good that's happening. Well, that's like that pa- takes faith. That, that's like the Apostle Paul. He said, "I'm in chains." chains and the reason why i'm in chains is for is so that the gospel won't be lost on anyone and we don't we should have that same type of attitude we should have that attitude where we say things are going a certain way i'm in i'm in chain of unemployment or i'm in chain of a bad job or i'm in chain of a sick child i'm in chain of all these different things but the chain that I'm in is in so that somebody else can see the glory of God in my personal circumstance. And when we do that, I remember when when our dad was sick and you said, um, you don't know who dad comes in contact with during his illness that can be blessed by what God is showing through him. And through his illness, and it, that really took it took home to me because I was like, "Man, it's too bad that Dad is still suffering, and why is God still keeping him here?" You know, you have everybody has all those questions. You know, why don't you just take the suffering away, God? Well, you don't know as as you said, for how many different steps away is somebody going to learn from that? How what you're going to learn? what you're going to take from that, what you're going to share with somebody else, who's then going to share with somebody else. And then that might, that there might then transform somebody who then goes out and transforms an entire city into being a Philadelphia. So we just have to keep that faith 
God, we don't know what's going on, but we the one thing I do know is in the end, it's all designed to bring your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's all designed because I already know the door is wide open for the kingdom for me, but I also know as as uh, Jesus said, when he said to the church of Philadelphia, you kept my my you kept my will, so the door is wide open. But then he Jesus also said earlier in Matthew, I'm giving you that key to the kingdom. And I think that when we take away my big takeaway today from that is I have the key to the kingdom. The door is wide open for me. I'm going to walk through it. I know 100% when my day is done on earth, I'm going to walk through the gate and I'm going to see all those folks that have gone through the gate before me. And I'm going to be in joy and awe of in the, be in the presence of the Lord for all eternity. I know that's going to happen. But now what I have is God said, that's what you have. But there are people who don't know that that's available. And I'm going to give you the key to unlock that door for them. And what are you going to do with the key? And I think that that's my takeaway that I, I, I didn't, until I started working on that, uh, what is the key? I think that's the key. The key is the one that's been given to us. I would 100% agree with that. And then what we do with the key and whether we can uh, pass that key on to the, other, to the next person down the line, that Jesus is the key. And that opens the door. Uh, and, and as you and I were kind of talking yesterday, if, if, if you give them the key, you say, that's the key. And they put a key in, they say, the key don't work for that, doesn't work. You go, you're trying to go in the wrong door. Yeah. You're not going to the right spot. You need, to, you need to get to the right spot so that that key can open the door you need to open. That, you're not supposed to go through that door. That key didn't work. There's a reason why that key didn't work to that door. Yep. But it, but and so you might you just just abandon that door, and then there's also open doors. You got a key, and, and somebody's like, I don't need the key. There's a door open. Oh well, no, you don't want to go through. You don't want to go through that open door if you have a key <laughs> to the kingdom. But there's another door that's wide open. Well, and but you have a key to open a door. Why would you go through the door that's already open when you know that you're supposed to go through the door where the key is? And we have too many people that want to walk through the easy open door. I shouldn't even see because you say you're not supposed to criticize people. But I've been there. Man, that door was open looking good. And then you get in there, and then the next thing you know, you're in the fun house of darkness where you're trying to find your way back out. And it's amazing. You're hitting walls and struggling. And then I got back out. And then fortunately, I got the key to the kingdom. And God said, open this door. And then when I opened that door, things changed. And from there on, I have not looked back. And the Lord just continued to bless me since then. My advice to the people who end up in that dark room is you still got that key in your hand. Don't drop it. <laughs> don't, don't drop that key now. You're sitting in darkness. Don't drop that key. Just get out of that dark room. There's a little light. Just turn around. There's a little light. Get on out that dark room and hold on to the key. Don't drop the key. Don't drop the key. And on that, you know, we started the we started the the time today with the message, what is the key? And we're gonna end the message with don't drop the key. So 
We know how what the key is. The key is to the kingdom, and we know what what you can do, and we know what is good. What it opens, it opens joy. It opens peace. It opens prosperity. All in the name of of the Lord Jesus. And each person has the key. If you don't have the key, and you want to know what the key is, feel free to to contact us through this podcast. Feel free to contact me on YouTube, and we'll share it with some brotherly love, some Philo, some Philadelphia. And hopefully that you can see that the key to open the gate of the kingdom of heaven brings joy that you never would have known about before. Thanks, Doc. Enjoy your family. We'll we'll probably talk again next Sunday. All right. We'll see you later. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening today. Thank you to all our guests. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Stephen Zachary Minister Gilbert the Arizona Message Ministry on Facebook, and feel free to send me an email to the message2.us or to my private website, stephenzachary.com. Thank you to Haribo Books for supporting us. That's haribobooks.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks.